Let's get into the news. At PR Newswire, survey, Americans fear we're heading for a 2008 recession or worse. Americans' concerns about the economy have escalated over the past several months, accumulating in, into fears of future recession. According to Nationwide's 2023 Economic Impact Survey, more than two-thirds of Americans, 68%, expect a recession within the next six months, and nearly 80% of those expect it to be severe. For those of you doing the math, that's over half of the people surveyed expect a severe recession coming within the next six months. About two-thirds of respondents believe a recession will be severe, will be as severe or worse than the 2007-2009 Great Recession. So at this point, it looks like most people think a recession is coming. We've been saying for a long time here on this channel that we think that one is going to come. We printed off epic tons of money during the pandemic. As a country, we restricted the economy down, so we had a lot of cash, not very much supply, which caused inflation to go crazy. And that would cause economic problems into itself, except for that in order to keep the economy from falling, the government kept printing and handing out money to help people. In fact, Gavin Newsom was saying they're going to hand out inflation relief checks, as if that makes any sense at all. And we've also played clips of the Federal Reserve talking about how they intend to cause a recession. So while Congress is printing money to try and stop one, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to kind of create one. And their ultimate goal is to cause a system that kind of levels out. And hopefully we can do that in a way where we just don't crash. Like maybe it's a slow decline and then we can kind of come back up and we'll see what happens. Further information is showing us uh, from PR Newswire as well, 40% of insured drivers in the U.S. are stressed out about affording their car insurance. So combined with the fact that most people now think a recession is coming, a huge number of people, almost 50%, I mean 40% is pretty significant, are scared they may not be able to pay for their car insurance. And that's going to be tremendously damaging to these people if a recession does come. So what can we do about it? Well, we've been talking on this channel on what we can do, and it all started with the TikTok videos about quiet quitting. Now isn't the time for that. It's real easy to be privileged and expect a lot of stuff when the economy is working well and you can make demands because people are looking for employees. But when this whole thing switches around and companies lay people off, we saw huge layoffs with the tech companies, you're going to want to be the one who keeps their job. And secondarily, you want to be the one who is investing over this recession. So keeping your job and then investing is going to put you in a good position when we come out of this. Your investments are going to take off. And that same principle works with your job as well. If companies start to expand, the people who are great that stuck around during the recession that showed their values are going to be the ones who start getting promoted. During this recession is not the time to start quiet quitting. It's the time to buckle down, work harder, show you're the one who the company needs to keep so that you can come out the other side wealthy. Our next article by PR Newswire as well is gold mining industry booms as investors seek safe haven amid market volatility. So this is just another sign that investors are starting to agree with what most people are saying inside of that original poll that we're going to see a tremendous recession. And people start looking at gold. In this case, it's gold mining. So you can buy bonds or investment stocks into gold mining endeavors. People actually mining for gold because that's another way to get gold. You don't necessarily have to buy it. You can mine for it. In fact, I actually own a gold mining bond or part of a gold mining bond. I own a piece of a bond for a gold mine. 
I don't know what the language is around that, but, um, and when I brought that to my family as an idea as to what we could do, my wife thought I was being scammed like the whole Nigerian prince scam. And I was like, no, no, this is legit. We're not just sending our money off to, you know, somebody overseas pretending to be somebody else. We're actually investing in a gold mine and we're receiving pretty good returns as a result. In fact, I am not supported by these guys at all. And I am not recommending that you go to them outright. But I will tell you that I use this company. I think this company is really good and they are really, they have a really interesting way of handling gold. So one of the biggest problems with gold is that if you buy it, you have to put it somewhere so you can store it in your house, but that, you know, creates risk. If you leave your home and someone breaks in and robs you, there's nothing you can really do about it. But if you put your gold inside of a company, they're going to charge you to store it. So as you're buying gold in an attempt to try and, you know, stave off this recession to try and balance your portfolio, whatever the case may be, you're losing value because you have to pay these companies to do these things. Well, the company that I use, and again, not recommending, just telling you what I use, you need to do your own research to make sure that these are good ideas, is a company called Monetary Metals. And what they do is they buy gold and lend it out to people who use gold, such as jewelry makers. So I really like this idea because I get to own the gold and I receive interest payments because my gold is being lent out. So I don't have to pay for actual storage and I get the gold and I get the appreciation on the gold and I get the interest payment. So I'm, I'm super stoked about this whole plan. Um, it's the company that I went through. I use a very small amount of my portfolio on gold and even a smaller amount in this particular company. Use that information as you wish. I'm not getting paid by them. I just think it's a really cool product that they offer and I'm involved in it myself. So what's going on with the debt ceiling stuff? So we still haven't hit a resolution around the debt ceiling. If you remember last week, Janet Yellen was saying we might have to do some extreme measures when we hit the beginning of June because that's when our debts are going to be due. So people in Congress are demanding the president use the 14th Amendment of the Constitution in order to try and solve this debt ceiling problem. I think this is a terrible idea and I don't think that it works. And there's like experts in the news trying to explain how this would work. And I think it's terrible logic and the arguments are just straight garbage. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have shut the government down in the past when we had debt ceiling disagreements. The, the, the president could have just stepped in and been like 14th Amendment and raised the debt ceiling on their own. Or why even have a debt ceiling debate at all if the president can just be like, increase the debt ceiling, increase the debt ceiling. So to say that the 14th Amendment gives the president the power to do that is kind of nuts. Secondarily, the Constitution gives the authority of the budgeting to Congress, not to the president. So there's other parts of the Constitution that say that this wouldn't work either. But one of our best friends, Elizabeth Warren, our, our favorite senator, Elizabeth Warren, says the Republicans are holding our economy hostage, you know, as if it doesn't take two groups to not be able to communicate with each other. It's like each party does this, right? The Republicans are like, they don't agree with us, so it's their fault. And the Democrats are like, they don't agree with us, so it's their fault. Like, like, but people buy it. People eat that stuff up, so. And pushing cuts will throw nearly 800,000 Americans out of work. I'm assuming she means government jobs, which I gotta be honest, like, I don't care. President Biden should be prepared to exercise his authority under the 14th Amendment so the U.S. can continue to pay its bills. I mean, all right. So let's look at the language of the 14th Amendment real quick. It says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payments of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. 
If that sounds interesting, it's because the 14th Amendment was the amendment that freed the slaves after the Civil War. And what it's saying here is that any debt used in order to fight that war, to um, free the slaves, in order to push down the rebellion, that's the insurrection and rebellion part, um, is actual debt in the United States. Like the United States can't be like, hey, you know, we don't want to deal with that debt. You have to accept that that debt is now a part of the United States, um, which most people I think do. That's just a clarifying statement. It's like a beginning statement to say, like, of course, we, you know, the United States will pay its debts. The problem is there was a lot of debate over the debts created by the Confederacy. And should the United States pay the debts of the Confederacy, which wouldn't make sense. The problem is those states are now incorporated back into the United States. And so let's say the Confederacy had a debt with France. Then France comes around and says, hey, United States, we had a debt with those states. We want that money back. So the second statement as a part of this says, but neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligations incurred in aid of the insurrection or rebellion against the United States or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave. But all such debts, obligations and claims shall be held illegal and void. So basically telling the world here, hey, if you made deals with the Confederacy, too dang bad. You shouldn't have done that, right? That's that's what this entire section of the 14th Amendment is saying. So in there, do you see the part where the President of the United States gets to magically make our debt ceiling go higher? Of course not. It's not there. The argument is that that first part says that, you know, our debts shall not be questioned. Therefore, the President should be able to raise the debt ceiling. And there's people with college degrees on TV making that argument as if it makes any sense. It's stupid. So anyways, we haven't solved this problem yet. Congress hasn't made an agreement and uh, we'll report on it when they do. So lastly, what happened to our San Diego buddy and what is he up to? So San Diego man visits 193 countries in the world, all 193 countries in the world. Excuse me. So somebody actually visited all the countries. I think that's super cool. I don't know how he did it, how long it took him. Let's see. Looks like it took him about a decade. Um, he says Turkmenistan was the last one and is one of the most mysterious countries on the planet. And it's one of the most restricted when it comes to visitors. So the only way you can visit Turkmenistan is through an approved tour company. That was actually my first thought when I saw this article was what about these countries that are like at war or have tough restrictions? What did he do? And I guess he found ways around all of it and was able to visit all the countries around the world. I think that's pretty cool. So good job, man. All right, that concludes the news segment for this week. There'll be more stuff next week, so make sure to stop by and tune in. 